today, Rinpoche went over the necessary conditions to achieve the state of calm abiding. If one wishes to achieve these higher states of concentration, not only the practice is necessary, but the conditions surrounding the practitioner are very important as well. All right. Dig song, Rinpoche. Less so if we look at the Buddha's teachings, uh, we can summarize them into three main categories, or divide them into three categories. The teachings shared in common with beings of small capacity, the teachings shared in common with beings of medium capacity, and the teachings for beings of great capacity. Uh, so beginning with the teachings shared in common with beings of small capacity, these are teachings for beings who wish to achieve rebirth in the higher realms of gods and humans within cyclic existence. So this type of practitioner practices going for refuge to the three jewels, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, and engaging in ethics which abandons the ten non-virtuous activities. So these are the core practices that uh, one relies upon or depends upon in order to achieve rebirth in the higher realms of cyclic existence. So these are the teachings shared in common with beings of small capacity that lead to higher realm rebirth. The next level of teachings are the teachings shared in common with beings of medium capacity, and these teachings lead to nirvana, or an individual liberation. Um, and this practitioner engages in the three highest higher trainings, the highest higher training in ethics, highest higher training in concentration, and the highest higher training in wisdom. And in dependence upon these practices, he or she can achieve an individual nirvana. And the final set of teachings, the teachings for beings of great capacity, are for those beings who wish to achieve complete Buddhahood. Uh, so this practitioner engages in the practice of generation of the mind that aspires to enlightenment, or generation of bodhicitta, and then from there, practice of the six perfections. Uh, so these are, this is a, a summary of the Buddha's teachings by way of the three categories, the practitioners of three capacities. Digsun. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, so one, dwelling in an appropriate area. So the area should have five attributes. Easy access so that necessities such as food and clothing can be readily obtained. Being a good place to live where there are no wild beasts such as predators, no enemies, etc. Being on a good piece of ground in that it does not breed sickness. Offering good companionship insofar as your companions are ethically disciplined and like-minded. And being well-suited in as much as there are not many people about in day and night. Uh, about in the day and little noise at night. Maitreya's ornament for the Mahayana Sutra states, the intelligent practice in a place which is accessible, is a good place to live, offers good ground and good companions, and has the requisites for comfortable yogic practice. So this is where um, Lama Tsongkhapa has taken these from uh, Lord Maitreya's ornament for the Mahayana Sutras. Uh, then number two, having little desire. Uh, you do not strongly crave more or better robes, etc. So the things you have, uh, you aren't um, craving them and wanting more. Uh, being content, you are always content to even have the poorest robes, etc. So whatever it is you have, um, you're satisfied with. So you're not, not only not craving um, something more, but you're very satisfied with what you have. Um, completely giving up many activities. And, and again, these are all conditions that make it easier to achieve calm abiding, like conditions. So um, this is, um, so just for anybody who's new, this isn't a blanket section over all Buddhist practitioners should do this. This is specifically Buddhist practitioners who wish to achieve calm abiding should do this. Uh, so I just wanted to make sure that that's clear whenever advices are given so that it doesn't look like it's an overall precept in Buddhism as opposed to something for its specific intended purpose. Um, uh, you give up base activities such as buying and selling. You also abandon excessive socializing with householders and renunciates as well as pursuits such as medicine and astrology. Um, pure ethical discipline. You do not violate precepts, doing deeds that are wrong by nature or wrong by prohibition. Here I'd like to make a translator's note, because over the years, um, Rinpoche has explained this many times, and here we find the words that, um, uh, the specific wording, so I want to point that out, because we've never had the specific wording. So, um, for instance, the Rinpoche has given an example is, uh, if the engaging in the act of killing, for instance, is wrong for everyone. So that is something that is wrong by nature. Uh, so here we have, you do not violate precepts, doing deeds that are wrong by nature. So that would be that, I, used to, I always translated it as a universal um, deeds. Um, so this is specific. It says wrong by nature. And then Rinpoche is in the past given the other example of cutting down a tree. So cutting down a tree, for instance, is for a renunciate or a, uh, someone who has become ordained is prohibited. Um, but a householder doesn't hold that vow, so he or she wouldn't get the same karma if they cut it down because they aren't a vow holder. So that is um, wrong by prohibition. It's prohibited according to their vows. 
So I just wanted to, um, just from many classes before, um, wrong by nature are those kind of universal wrongs, and then wrong by prohibition are referring to uh, those wrongs that are specific to the person, like uh, if you have a, a bodhisattva vows, for instance, um, one of those vows, keeping that, or if you have an ordained vow um, that's specific to that ordination, keeping that. Uh, Rimache, the nama chan kanamatoa, the mambo lapson, then the selpushak, the injike selpushason, then su chupa dang shin chuk, the sansan chan lado. Rajiji kanamato, kanamato. Rajiji kanamato, sana, chimata rajun kataji, ne what diba in hendela. So Rinpoche is saying, when we look at the the wrong by nature, it's wrong by nature would be wrong for an ordained person or a householder to engage in it. No matter who they are, it would be wrong. It would be a non-virtue. Then eh, Rangjin so then, uh, wrong by prohibition, the example again is given of cutting down a tree. Uh, so an ordained person holds a specific vow to not cut down a tree, um, but other people don't have that vow. So um, if they cut it down, the consequence karmically isn't the same as one who is committed to not do so. Um, so this is why um, these are divided. So it would be specific to the person holding the vow and what vow they hold or what they're prohibited from doing, um, what they're prohibited from doing according to their specific vow. Tuchena, Detsko Rinpoche, Kamasun. Either in the case, um, uh, or wrong by prohibition, either in the case of vows of individual liberation or in the case of bodhisattva vows. If you do not violate them through carelessness, you restore them promptly with regret in accordance with the teaching. And number six, completely getting rid of thoughts of desire, etc. In the case of desires, contemplate their disadvantages in this lifetime, such as their leading to being killed or imprisoned, as well as their disadvantages for the future, such as their leading to rebirth in the miserable realms. Alternatively, eliminate all thoughts of desire and such by meditating with the thought that everything within in cyclic existence, pleasant or unpleasant, is ephemeral. Ephemeral, I can never say that, ephemeral ephemeral and impermanent. Since it is certain that I will shortly be separated from all of these things, why should I crave them? I have explained these points according to the purport of Kamala Shila's second stages of meditation. You should learn them more about you should learn more about them from Asanga's Shravaka levels. These six topics cover the key causes and conditions for newly developing good concentration for maintaining an existing concentration without deterioration and for heightening concentration. We're, it's either that or the next two sentences where Rinpoche stopped. Um, just give me one moment. Kamala Shila Gorim. Drone Tompa Lomason, Rinpoche? Geshe Drone Tompi Lung? The, the good Soronang. Uh, we'll just, uh, it's a sentence or two. I know where I left off, so I'll just read it um, once I see where we're, we're good. Deek Song Rimche. The Dana Guripa Vio Gumbatara Shiva Te Jiban Yasali Shiva Shao. The Tabi Chutuna Tingan Zambu Sato Chibata, huh? 
Okay. In particular, the most important ones are good ethical discipline, seeing desires as disadvantages and dwelling in an appropriate place. Geshe Drontompa uh, said, We think that the fault lies only in our personal instructions. As we then seek only personal instructions, we are unable to attain concentration. This is the result of not abiding under its conditions. So, um, not looking at the texts where we find the actual information that shows the conditions, just relying on some personal instructions that are given and not delving deeper. This doesn't allow us, this will not allow us to achieve uh, the result, which is calm abiding. The term conditions refers to the six explained above. Uh, moreover, the first four perfections serve as preconditions for the fifth, meditative stabilization. Kamala Shila's first stages of meditation states, You quickly accomplish serenity when you disregard the desire for possessions and such. Keep good ethical discipline. Have a disposition to readily tolerate suffering and joyously persevere. That being the case, sources such as the Sutra Unraveling the Intended Meeting teach that generosity and the other perfections are causes of the successively higher perfections. Atisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment states, When you lack the elements of serenity, even if you meditate assiduously, you will not achieve concentration even in thousand years, thousands of years. Therefore, it is very important for those who wish to, 
for those who sincerely wish to achieve the concentrations of serenity and insight to work on the elements or preconditions for serenity, such as the 13, which are set forth in Asanga's Shravaka levels. Okay. Dela Dela Dene. Dela Dene. Gombitsuba Rendo Lujian Jado Majeba Hajan Dudu Maluba Trambo Sanla Traba Nato Jate Duba Jau Traba Nitega Jaba Naba Jago Gone Matu Mamashi Sutido Mayo Ajate Nai Toa Trambo Jago Sumatune Jean Luzo Tame Tedarsha Dobby 
Okay, um, so now, where did I read to? The term conditions refers to the six explained above. I read Geshe Drontompa's uh, quote, correct? Anyway. If I reread, I apologize. The, the term conditions refers to the six explained above. Moreover, the four uh, perfections serve as preconditions for the fifth meditative stabilization. Kamala Shila's first stages, I know I read this, first stages of meditation states, you quickly accomplish serenity when you disregard the desire for possessions and such. Keep good ethical discipline. Have a disposition readily tolerate suffering and joyously persevere. That being the case, sources such as the Sutra Unraveling, the intended meeting, teach that generosity and the other perfections are causes of the successively higher perfections. So there's a cause and effect relationship amongst the perfections. Uh, Tisha's lamp for the path to enlightenment uh, states, when you lack the elements of serenity, when you meditate assiduously, you will not achieve concentration even in thousands of years. Therefore, it is very important for those who have sincerely wished to achieve the concentrations of serenity and insight to work on the elements of preconditions for serenity, such as the 13 which are set forth in Asanga Shravaka levels. Now we start the new. How to cultivate the serenity on that basis? There's two parts, preparation and the actual practice. Preparation... Um, Practice the six preparatory teachings explained above, especially cultivate the spirit of enlightenment for a long time. Also, in support of that, you should do the meditative practices that are shared with persons of small and medium capacities. Uh, There's just a reminder that all of the practices, the small and medium, that lead up to this have to be continuously practiced and serve as a foundation basis and um, constant practice um, around uh, in conjunction with this. The actual practice has two parts, meditative posture and the meditative process itself. So the meditative pros- posture, so you sometimes will see this um, called the eight-point Virakana posture, um, and you'll also sometimes see it called the seven-point Virakana posture. And the reason that it's different is sometimes they don't add the breath, the eighth one, at the bottom here, uh, so that's um, the only difference. So just as far as, as far as English terminology is what I'm speaking now, um, obviously Virakana is Sanskrit, but um, they'll say seven when they don't include the breathing part. Um, so Kamala Shila's second and third stages of meditation say that you should take up an eight-point posture on a very soft and comfortable seat. Cross your legs in the manner of the venerable Virokana, using either the full lotus posture or half lotus posture as appropriate. Your eyes should be neither wide open nor too far closed, and they should not 
they should be fixed on the tip of your nose. Sit with your awareness directed inward, keeping your body straight without leaning too far back or being bent too far forward. Keep your shoulders straight and even. Do not raise or lower your head nor turn it to one side. Set it so that your nose and navel are aligned. Set your teeth and lips in their usual natural positions. Draw your tongue up close to your upper teeth. Your inhalation and exhalation should be not be noisy, forced, or uneven. Let it flow effortlessly, ever so gently, without any sense that you are moving it here or there. So it becomes a very natural rhythm that begins to take place. And just as a translator's note, uh, the first the um, part of the posture, the full lotus is when you put both of your feet on. You know, the, when you see in the, the tankas um, where both of your feet go up onto your thigh, this is the half lotus where one foot goes up onto your thigh, both feet up onto your thigh, like Chen Rezig uh, next to the um, merit field. You, um, you, Chen Rezig right behind Coleman, uh, where you see Chen Rezig, Manjushri, and Vachapani. Chen Rezig is sitting in the, the full lotus posture. Half lotus would be if only one of the legs, like white Tara has, um, is, is up, usually. Um, so half lotus would be where one foot is up and the other one is out. Uh, usually white Tara has that. Yeah, or green Tara. Or green Tara over there has that. So just as a note, what full lotus and half lotus are referring to. Full lotus is the way Chen Rezig is sitting. Half lotus would be just one foot, the way I'm sitting. Um, and usually um, with half lotus, the leg is drawn in. You'll see Tara sometimes has the leg extended, but the leg is drawn in. It's just not put on top of the thigh. Um, Asanga Shravaka levels gives five reasons for sitting as the Buddha taught cross-legged on a seat, stool, or grass mat. This posture in which the body is pulled together well is conducive to the arising of pliancy, so you will develop pliancy very quickly. Sitting in this way makes it possible to maintain the posture for a long time. The posture does not lead to physical exhaustion. This posture is not common to non-Buddhists and, uh, and our opponents. Um, when others see you sitting in this posture, they are inspired. The Buddha and his disciples used this posture and bestowed it upon us. The Sangha Shravaka levels says that in light of these reasons, you should sit cross-legged. It says that it also says that you keep your body straight so that lethargy and sleepy sleepiness will not occur. Thus, at the outset, you have to meet these eight points of physical conduct, particularly the calming of breathing, just as I have described above. So, the calming of breathing is that eighth point, making for the eight point virakana. Rimache, the Chirans draw the Trua Don Lenja. It's Chiran Sangar. Draw? Okay, dead straw? Okay. Gumbidiba. Gumbidiba Nishibane. Larry Pitcher Pimacher. Utane, Sumba, Nebangabon, Dij, Jay, Gunne, Shinendruba Sula. Gashi Lasso and the Juvi. Dang 
Just want to make sure where we stopped. Just doing a lot of reading today, so I just keep the place. Shinto Jeso. Okay. Need to log in. And then ain't true at Don Lenja. Okay. Um, the meditative process. Broadly speaking, the stages of the path tradition indicates that you achieve serenity by means of the eight antidotes which eliminate the five faults listed in Maitreya's separation of the middle from extremes. Personal instructions passed down from Geshe Laksowa explain that in addition to that you have to achieve serenity through the six powers, the four types of attention, the mind, mental states, which Asanga Shravaka levels explains. The scholar Yunten Dra says, The methods of the nine mental states are included in the four attentions and the six faults and the eight applications, which are their antidotes, are the method for achieving all the concentrations. This is agreed upon in all teachings about the techniques for meditative stabilization including those in most sutras. Maitreya's ornament for Mahayana sutras and separation of the middle from extremes, Asanga's texts on the levels, Kamala Shila's three stages of meditation, those who first have the preconditions for concentration will definitely attain concentration if they use these methods to work at it. Nowadays, supposedly profound oral traditions on meditative stabilization lack even the names of these techniques. 
These texts do not indicate that you will achieve concentration without the preconditions for concentration in these techniques, even if you work at them for a long time. So there's many oral instructions that are oversimplified that don't contain all of these details. Therefore, they will not work, ultimately. They won't allow you to achieve the final goals uh, if they are incomplete practices. Um, they're missing parts to get you to the goal, so they won't get you there. Um, that this is, this is stated in his text on the stage of the path. It speaks of reaching pure certainty about how the classic texts present the way to achieve concentration. In that regard, since the general way of teaching the stage of the path of the three vehicles is demonstrated at length in the noble Asanga's five texts on the levels, the texts that teach these practices are very extensive. Among these five, one text gives a detailed explanation while the others do not. Asanga's Compendium of Determination says that his Shravaka levels should be used to understand serenity and insight, so it is the Shravaka levels that is most extensive. Also, the Venerable Maitreya discusses the methods of the nine mental states and the eight antidotes in his Ornament of the Mahayana Sutras and separation of the middle of extremes. Following them, such learned masters... Indian masters such as Hari Bhadra, Kamala Shila, Ratna Karashante wrote much more about the process of achieving concentration. On the general sense of concentration, the tantras are very cons consistent with the explanations in these classic texts, except that they use different objects of meditation such as divine bodies, drops, and syllables. In particular, texts in the sutra class provide very extensive discussions of problems such as the five faults of concentration and ways of clearing them away. So now we'll go on, uh, we'll have questions. Uh, anybody has any questions? Um, doesn't have to be about what we just went over. Um, yeah, it's good to see every week Rinpoche is feeling better and better, getting stronger and stronger. And the operation was very successful. Um, you were talking earlier about the effects of karma um, on different types of individuals, be it lay or a renunciate. Mm -hmm. And when I think of karma, I think of it like a law of nature, that it's consistent across time and, you know, that it's like gravity, that it has to be applied equally. So assuming the intent was the same in cutting down the tree, they were freezing and they needed it to be warm. So it's not like you accidentally hit someone with a car versus intentionally ran them over. So their intent was the same. How could the karmic impact be different, or would it not be different if their intent was the same, just based on their class of, you know? Now you're saying person. that one has made a vow to not cut down a tree. Right. The other has not made a vow. Right. So they, but their intent. But they is both have the, the intention that's not that's, a bad intention. Right. How could it have a different karmic impact? Like, wh how does that work? It's just because they made a vow. Like, how would that change the law of nature in essence? because they made a vow not to do that? Or what, you know, am I not just kind of catching that right? Could you kill a person? Can I kill someone? Well, that's that upset. So you know you what I mean? If I have good motivation? Well, if you accidentally do it, if it's you know, a you late You were saying cutting the tree because you were cold. Now it's an accident? Now the tree's an accident? No, or so you cut it because you were cold? Well, so the same thing. So no? if you hit someone accidentally versus drive over them intently, those are two different things. No. So, the, yeah, those are diff the, the but different. The, the tree impact, and the driving right. over someone by accident are completely different examples. Okay, so they're cutting down the tree with the same intention, let's say. 
So there's, they're, you know, they they're, they're both are intentionally cutting down the tree for a reason because they want to get warm because they want to get warm whatever it is they you know they cut it down for the same, with the same okay. intention yeah is there a different karmic impact or, or is they, that they they um they lay lay chua they lay kashi they ranjin lay they gariana shuchupa gariana megewa lay then shin the golong dang gelo the dumba yuna then they megewa shin chu shin the the gelong dumba the machu then they contrewa the genye dang gelong nicha gelong the dopa chipa the ducha yomare megewa yimba yeah yeah I think I'm asking this I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question properly. Uh, the the Sanlo Ducha Yomare. The Galung Megewa Sa Sagadue Sa Dumba Yere. Galung Jebadan Jeba Sanji Jebadan Shinjo Jogumares Jeba Yodro Jeba Lesser Jebadan Ganadis Lesser Jibi Kanamatos. Then Garshene Kongi Sampa the lay me Kanga Chipa. Then dupa chipa garshene depo kakare, garshene, the galong dang genye, the le chipa garshene depo kakare. Depo ko le saken kakayindi depo kakayungurot. The le saken kakayindi depo kakayungurot. Then the le saken galong pai dumba yuna shinje. Dang genye Golong Dumba Mena Kakare Lay Kakare Okay, so the answer is that because they have broken a commitment that they have made. They've made a specific commitment to not engage in, a, in, the, in this behavior. And it's been an advice that's given by the Buddha that an ordained person isn't supposed to engage in it. So he or she has then made a vow to not do such a thing. So a householder has not made a vow to not do such a thing. So there's no commitment that's broken in the case of a householder cutting a tree down. But there's a commitment that's been broken in the case of the monk or nun that's cutting the tree because he or she has made a commitment, has made a vow. So this is why the, there's 250 vows that, uh, for instance, a monk and 300 and something vows that a nun hold that householders don't hold. So the, there's, there's many, um, many cases. So they're making commitment 
to not do certain behavior. So they've broken a commitment when they engage in that. So that's the non-virtue, is going against the commitment that they've made to the Buddha, or made to the doctrine, or made how, whatever you want to call it, but they've made to the, the law of how they're living. And there's reason for all of these things at subtle levels. Like, don't cut the tree, there's a reason for that at a more subtle level that the Buddha gave that advice. It wasn't just, let's come up with 200 and something re- dumb things we can tell monks and nuns to do. You know what I mean? There's a reason behind all of it. Um, so it's just like making a commitment or not making a commitment. You've broken the commitment if you are a, a monk or a nun, and you haven't broken the commitment if you are a householder. Because you don't, haven't made the commitment. You haven't said to Buddha, I won't do this, and then did it. Vows set in your continuum this, this pathway, and when you break it, it breaks a commitment and it makes it so that you're weaker in terms of commitment. It's setting imprints for not doing the right thing in terms of what you say you're going to do. Um, So we were talking about um, killing by nature is wrong. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking, if you're a soldier, um, is it wrong by nature for a soldier mm-hmm. who's trained to kill? Even the cook in the army gets the killing karma. The ma, the suchupa migewa, ma, ma ken, migewa sagadu, suchuna, sa, yes, non-virtue. Yeah, they accumulate non-virtue of killing. Good to see you feeling better. Um, I wanted to know if in my everyday life, this is not related to the reading, as I come across injustices, whether it be an animal that's killed on the side of the road or people being treated incorrectly, how does one manage anger and rage associated to that after doing all that one has within their own power to address those injustices? It's the Zambaling la, and me ducha mumbo yere, then the Kali kapo mumbo, nutra mumbo yere, then they got to the Pardro, Marjo, then Sansang got to Lunglangdu. Then they may may shed a ducha, the may gender nuna, not to katudu. Yene, the Sani nani, not to Lunglang. Then the gom, gare pentogdu, the nepo, not to Lunglang, nepo. Gonja. Danyo. Danyo to go on the abro. And Kandre go on. Gary go on. That's more rimche. Danyo to go on the abro. Danyo to go on the abro. 
So, when we look at various, there are antidotes for various negative emotions that we have that we can apply specifically. So, when we have the arisal of anger, for instance, um, it states in the text that the antidote for anger is love. So, Getting from one place to the other is a process, obviously, where you go from anger to love. But the way that you would do that is first by trying to develop a state of equanimity, um, um, where you would take it back and start to understand that friends, enemies, those who are neutral to us, all wish to have happiness. They all want to have happiness, and they don't want to suffer. We all have that in common, so that, that's, a, that's a for certain, that no matter how they're behaving or acting out, they're trying to achieve the same thing that we are, just maybe not going about it the way that they should. Um, so then we try to develop a compassion for them, um, for their misunderstanding, when we, we, we are working within that place of trying to develop equanimity and seeing that everybody wishes to have happiness and doesn't wish to have suffering, um, we can see that uh, we're all trying to get there and then the, maybe the people we're angry with are trying to get there in a way that isn't going to work for them. So we develop compassion for them. Uh, so we just start to understand that they're creating more suffering for themselves. Uh, so compassion is wishing that sentient beings be free from suffering and the causes of suffering. So we begin to try to think in terms of, of wishing that um, they, they uh, we, we start to think in terms of compassion so that we generate this different view about the object of observation of our anger. Um, so we, we're, what we're working towards is to be able to have patience. Um, with with the person to be able to meditate and familiarize ourselves with a state that understands that like ourselves they want happiness and the and 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 the causes of happiness and and wouldn't it be how nice it would be if I could help them in some way um, and develop compassion um, and that patience also sees that their their way may be mistaken and they're going to cause suffering for themselves um, and understanding that it's it's the, the mistaken view, ultimately, that's leading to all wrong behavior. Um, it's not the person being bad, it's their mistaken view. So it's, tr it's just trying to develop a patience um, and an even-mindedness uh, towards those beings by stepping back from the situation and analyzing them and anal as a, an individual and, and not the action itself. Stasha. MC Stasha, get on the mic. Pass the mic. We gotta get better at the mic passing. I think we should practice if anybody would like to. Like Thank throw you for it behind our backs and stuff. Jeff. Thank you for translating. Uh, my question um, is about death and vows and the mental consciousness. And I know that vows have a form and the mental consciousness is consciousness. 
And so I was thinking when someone dies, their mental consciousness travels from a body into the bardo. And I'm just wondering how something like vows, which have form, reside in something which is consciousness, which I believe wouldn't have necessarily form. So I was Correct. thinking that the mental consciousness is something like a sound wave that travels on the wind. But I, I guess I'm not connecting, or I'm not, I'm, I guess I'm trying to get a visual. How does the form abide in the consciousness? In, yes. Um, Beth, correct? Yes. Rimache, Dagong, Kong Trobo, Tromo, the Shison, Lo Chong Chong, the Tanda Denden Mindu, Chishena Rangse, Yene, Tanda Denden Mindu, the Dagong Kong Niker Song, and Shoge de Langma Song, and Kong Shison. Then Mulanjarona, so say prayers uh, for Beth Daly. Um, friend of Stasha's um, who passed away last night in her sleep. Uh, so that's what I was just communicating to Rinpoche. Kong Triwa de Ngatsu Sheba Ngatsu de Ngatsu Shena Dene Bardo Drogudu Ngatsu Sheba Bardo La Drogudu Dene Ngama Sonchena Chiran de the Domba, the Sutar Domba, the Domba Kashe, Zuyin. Then a Kontriwa, Jewa Shema, Kandre Zu Drogudu, Gangusena Sheba Dang Zu Megawa, Sheba Dang Zu Gelwa, then a Kandre Natsu Domba Jewa Shema Drogudu, the Domba Drogu Mare, Kashe Dro, Shantu Sempi. Shebi Domba. Domba. The the Domba. Zuyen. Suta Domba Zuyen. Yene the Domba Gariena Zu Yen Yomare. Shanchu Sembi Domba Zuyen? Then then the Jutsen then the Jewa Shema Zu Drogudue. Okay. Tuche. Okay. Then the Wombo. Yamdu? Then Kandre Drogudu. Gangin Sena Zudang Sheba Gelwayen. Sunday Wombonga, the Joshima Wombonga Lamander and Roja Turit. Lesso. Okay, so. Then a. So first of all, the, the fact that, um, so yes, the individual liberation vows are form. All vows aren't form, but the individual lib liberation vows are form. Individual liberation vows end at the end of your life. Um, they don't carry on. But there are, there, I said that form and consciousness are mutually exclusive, so then how does the forms that do carry on from this life to next carry on in terms of if they aren't the consciousness how do they carry on and Rinpoche said they carry on by um, their continuation 
So the sense powers are form, for instance. So that's a form, in it, uh, for instance, of form, not vow. I know your question was about vow, but the individual liberation vows don't go to your next life. Uh, bodhisattva vows do, but that's because it's a consciousness, the bodhisattva vow, as opposed to a form. Shanchu sembi domba zu mayin. Sheba yin. Okay, yeah. so he was saying yes. Bodhisattva vow is consciousness, not form. I always check. I want to make sure I don't say anything wrong. Um, so the sense powers become the future sense powers. And the consciousness becomes the future consciousness. So they just create a concordance. Then the Sheba dang wambo nyamdu drogadu lung kergadu garak kergadu jewa shima kandre ker. The Kandre, the the Ari, then a Jakar Jagudu, then then a Natsu Wombo Drogudu, the Garikar, Lung Kergudu, Garikar. I'm asking a really hard question, but we're going for it. I'm asking, okay, so if we're going from one life to the next life, and you're go, you die in the United States, and you're born in India, then what carries your your sense powers to India? Is it wind? Is it what, what brings the consciousness over there? How does it get there? Because it says it's unobstructed and it goes there because your karma, just, your karma forces it, but just how? That's all. I don't think there's going to be an answer on this one, but it's a good question, right? Like how? Is it the lung yamdu, drogudu, namjutan? The Sheba Namtu Yurube? I asked him if maybe consciousness has an airplane. It's independence on the wind, Rinpoche is saying, that it, that it travels. Then a Ari Shinken, then a Bardola, the Lunker, Sheba Lunker, Bardola. Then a then a garikare. Gangisha Sheba the Sem the Lung Gangla. Sheba the Lung Tendi was over it. Lung. Sheba the Lung Tendi was. 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 Then the Wombong the. The Lung. The Den. Lung Tendi. So the winds. The answer is the wind. It's independence upon the wind. The carrier, uh, um, uh, carrier is the wind. Of the 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 sense powers, the five sense powers become the five sense pow future five sense powers. The six consciousnesses become the six future consciousnesses, and the wind independence upon the wind as a carrier, it mounted on the wind, literally, mounting the wind. One more, two more. Oh, three more. Three more. That's a cap. Three cap. So, um, this is in relationship to Sasha's um, Stasha's question. Um, so, you said that the vows are are a form, not consciousness. The individual liberation vows. So, yes. if having those vows for an individual created a lot of good karma, is the karma not form, and does that 
is the karma created by having the vows or other things you might have done to create virtue, that's not um, substance, right? Or it, that's that, not what? Um, that's not form. I'm get, is it? Okay, so the question is, is the, the... Karma created by the form things continue in the mind stream, I guess. Okay, so you're saying that the virtue that's created by keeping an individual liberation vow... Right. Is that form? Well, and ha is it form, okay, or is does it, and does it just go into the mind stream, the okay. virtue? Okay, let's just shape up. I, I think it's in, it becomes an imprint. Uh, it becomes a seed that's an imprint oh, okay. of virtue. But let's let's oh, see. Kontrua de the galong pai dumba yuna, then gewasa. The gewa de zuyin. Le Zuyin? Gewa Le Zuyin? Yi Le Zuyin. So, body and speech virtue that has been created is considered form. Um, so, that, that is form. Uh, mental consciousness virtue is not considered form. But that... So it depends um, when we're looking at the keeping of a vow, for instance. Um, uh, so we have to look at what category it falls into. Is it intention? Is it a physical action of abstention, etc.? So it de depends on the vows. There's so many. Um, so then, the nga gewale zuyin, then the pakcha zuyin. Pacha, pacha. Demenduje. Okay, so the imprint, though, that is left is called the non-associated compositional factor. So um, the imprint, then the nga gewi le zu pakcha zumayin. Okay, so the virtue, the, um, the, vir the virtuous deed that is done the, the, from the voice, for instance, through the speech, is form, but its imprint or seed that it leaves is not form, it's non-associated compositional factors. So I don't know if that helps at all. No, it makes it you. more expansive, but um, it's very much. great. question um, on what the function of a vow is it's um, is it a control of the mind so the mind is always wandering and a vow if you take a vow you have a certain kind of control um, and if you break the vow you weaken the mind if you if you have a vow and you have a you make 300 vows you have a very strong, you, you, you have a way of making a very strong mind. But if you, you weak, every time you break the vow, you weaken the mind. So I'm wondering how the vow relates to, um, let's say, example, maybe you take a vow that you're not going to eat after 12 o'clock noon. And so uh, if you, with that, 
if you don't eat, it strengthens the the um, commitment. The commitment, so that um, you 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 don't have that desire. But if you but if you break it, then it 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 um, it lose you lose that strength. It's something about the, the function of the vow with the men, mental with a mind. So what I'm just trying to figure out yeah. where the question is in there. Okay. Do you have? Do you, can you help me with the, that? The fun, the function of a vow to, to actually what is the actual function of a Rimche, vow? the dumba. Gar um. Leka gare gare shene dumba dumba len gare pentogdu peyun gare gangin sena de de kongitsapa the the golong pai dumba the chikshene the the chutsu juni jema the 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 kala sagamare chutsu juni tsar dene kala sagamare the dumba yurebe golong golong dumba de yure the gonta shikala sagamare. Then the Dumba Kanga, the Shanchu, draw the Le Labudu, Le Lars, Le Lars. Okay, so the point of all of the vows is that each of the advices make it easier for one to become enlightened. Um, there And there's a whole commentary behind each of the vows for the reasoning behind doing it um, so like why you would not cut a tree then there would be pages and pages and pages that only a monk or nun would read because the lay people it's another conversation but the the you're only supposed to read the vows that you have so that you don't just become overly critical of everyone else um, in, in what they're doing um, you're only really supposed to study the vows that you individually have um, but all of the vows are for the purpose of making it easier to become enlightened um, so for instance Rinpoche said that there's reasoning for the abstention from the food because it makes it uh, clearer your studies clearer is one benefit in the morning and at night time it makes it so your mind is clearer um, it isn't as lethargic easier to meditate it's said when when you you don't have that complete fullness and also in relation to harm re harm reduction of of beings or, or things that are involved with having to make food and also taking too much when the world is starving many people are starving where the vows were made um, just being mindful of that so there's a whole bunch packed into that so if you abstain from it you've made it easier to become enlightened you've made it stronger a stronger pathway to become enlightened. If you don't follow it, you've taken away a couple of your ch chances to make it easier to become enlightened. Does that make sense out of it? Yes, thank you. Becoming familiar with your, by keeping it on a daily basis, you're familiarizing yourself, you're meditating 
on a way of life that becomes second nature, basically. That is the easiest, most conducive way to become a Buddha. So every day you keep the vow, it becomes easier to keep the vow. Datisha said, nothing becomes uh, more difficult with repetition or something like that. Um, repetition makes things become more second nature, make things become easy. And that's why meditation, the word in Tibetan, gom, just means familiarize. To familiarize over and over again with something. So you're familiarizing yourself with a lifestyle so that it becomes more second nature and it just becomes known as opposed to something you even have to think about. But when you don't keep it, you're, you kind of set like this imprint of not keeping it and not going the right way. So you're familiarizing yourself with the wrong. So it works both ways, you know what I mean? You can familiarize yourself the wrong way by breaking vows, becoming familiar with that, and then that's the way away from Buddhahood. That helped me too, so thank you. Made sense out of some stuff. Uh, the various aspects of meditative posture. Yes. How does that apply to uh, if one sits on a chair mm -hmm. as opposed to the lotus? Everything but the one you can do. I mean, with a chair posture, you can do all of the posture except the first one. Like if you look at the seven-point or eight-point Virakana posture, uh -huh. sitting in a chair, you can do all points except the lotus. So I'll ask, but all the other points you can do sitting in a chair, the back straight, like a stack of coins, sure. the tongue and the eyes down, all of that can be done in a chair. Um, Rimache. The gomja, the lap, the lamatsun kapa lapcha, the j, the ngatsu, the gamba, the ngatsu lapa, the j, yure. Yene me gengo, the tambo, dets kali kapudu, gangusen, the gamba, nana, the kucha degdu. Then it did digsung. Then it sa kanga, the lung drogdu, gangusen, the loshe. Sinshi Lo Xing Shiwang Yongdu Kucha Dena Shiwang Yong Tudue Um so uh, I was just asking a, a technical question. Um so absolutely sitting in a chair is fine. If for some reason that you can't sit in that posture physically um, for whatever reason. Um, and we have to be honest with ourselves. Can we not or are we not familiar with sitting in that posture? Because it hurts a 20-year-old to try to sit in a lotus posture without being familiar, familiar. Um, uh, and then there's the half lotus posture. Uh, and once we've analyzed whether or not uh, we really can sit like that, um, then we can... Because it's all about motivation. My whole point, and Rinpoche's point, is that the motivation is the most important part. So once you've realized that, no, you can't sit like that, um, then sitting in a chair is completely appropriate. And if there's a worry about the aligning of the winds in a specific way, um, that, um, that it's possible to still, but more probable it would happen in the future anyway. Like an actual achievement of calm abiding is very, very rare. 
Um, so that would be the, what we're talking about when we're trying the, the winds and so forth. So it's still effective. Absolutely effective. And it, and it serves to, um, Rinpoche said, create future um, practices of it. It leaves imprints so that in the future when you, because uh, uh, Buddhism is really not thinking in terms of just this life. It's thinking that you're sitting like that and in this life your legs don't work, but because you're meditating on it and you have good motivation, in your next life when you can, you'll be able to sit like that because you familiarized yourself with it in this life. So that's kind of the way of thinking. Um, especially the way the Tibetans think about it. They're thinking in terms of multiple lives as opposed to just this life. So they would think that as a beginner that you're just setting yourself up for 20 lifetimes later when you can really meditate. You know, well, It's kind of this sense of humility they always keep because these things that we're reading about, like maybe one person in a generation achieves it. Like That's the kind of rarity that the Dalai Lama says of a, of a practitioner who's a bodhisattva. I mean, Dalai Lama said he knows of one his whole life. So, just to think about it in those terms. Um, so my question was, I don't know if this is silly or what, but... Um, nope. Is the dot on the eye just uh, transferred from the Hindu tradition? Or is that, you know, an authentic Buddhist... Um. Rimche, the Mipa, Sumba, the Nampa, Yurube, the Hindu, Nay. What? The Par, Mambo, the Mikpa, Sumba, Yure, the Mikpa, the Yure, the um, Hindu, Mambo, the Yure, the, the Ming, the Miksumba. Hello. Miksumba? Okay, so this is for gods. Gods have these things, but we don't. Um, so that's what he, that was. Nampa, Tsanlodandu, Hlade Yurebe, Nampa Tsampa. Yeah, so ba- Buddhists say that gods would have these. Yeah. All right, concluding mandal offering and dedication prayer. Yabudu Rinpoche, Tuchena. Rimbache. Garsh the Nupa Garde. The Galung Shinje. Then Konsu Migewa. Garshene the Nupa Nupa Garne. Nupa. Kabane Garne. She must not she at dinner and the Sigil Kalas are now the Pentwoods. She is on the Nogur. The leg nupa garshene. Garshene the genye yomare. Garshene the nupa kabarne. Dumba nangla? The zoo nangla? The nupa garshene kakare. Shijina, shijina. And then what is Less so. Less so. 
So I'm going back to the just the cutting of the tree, your question, and why there's the power. What makes the power of the karma change? Why, if a householder does it, is it different than a monk or a nun who's done it? And it sounds like it's also the understanding that that tree is housing many different sentient beings and that it'd be used for a long time. And there's this whole intense reasoning within the text of why you wouldn't cut down a tree. Um, then you commit to not doing it because you know that this will happen. So maybe as a householder you haven't committed knowing that all of this will happen so that the power of, of knowing right from wrong almost isn't there as much. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of what makes that power change. I understand your question. And it's a deep question, and I think it gets down to the point that an omniscient being really has to understand the kind of nuances of karma. Um, but it's a great question. What, what changes its power? And I, I think it's just really the motivation that now you as a monk or nun know that when I'm cutting this, I'm taking away a home. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Whereas the householder might just think it's obstructing a view. You know, there isn't that kind of basis of knowledge. All right, so we're not reading emptiness book. We're doing the concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. Fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Ozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well, with whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors to traverse the three times. I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All-powerful Avogateshvara Tenzin Yatso, may you stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandok, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts, with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. <laughs>